You are listening to National Security Law Today. Welcome to National Security Law Today, the podcast of the American Bar Association Standing Committee on Law and National Security. I'm Nicole, a member of the committee staff, but I'm joined by my co-host, Elisa, who is a national security lawyer here in her individual capacity and not on behalf of any agency or company. So we're sorry that Yvette, our normal co-host, isn't here today. She is suffering from the flu, but we're so glad to welcome Stuart Baker, a partner at Steptoe & Johnson and the former general counsel of NSA, I think the first assistant secretary for policy at DHS. He's done like a million other things. And the founder and host of one of my favorite podcasts, the Cyber Law Podcast, which is just amazing. And we also have Jamil Jaffer at the Antonin Scalia School of Law and former counsel to the White House under George Bush, George W. Bush, and former counsel at HIPSI. And I'm so glad you're both here. So thanks. We're glad to be here. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, let's be fact and law people. I notice there seems to be a dearth of that at the moment. But let's start with a little history. Um, Let's start with the Federalist Papers, which were a series of letters written by the founders of the United States. Um, And they set forth much of what would later be memorialized in the Constitution. And importantly, they were concerned about foreign interference. And in particular, they mentioned repeatedly and throughout the papers, um, concern about uh, foreigners usurping any a leader, and I forget what they called him. They had another name for him. They didn't call him the president. They called him the what? I don't remember. Chief, chief matriculator, some other kind of a thing. Um, but basically they warned that if we allowed uh, foreign influence from countries, not just foreign, you know, propaganda-styled influence, but sort of any foreign obligations that were not of our choosing, that were sort of, you know, coming in through the chief executive, that it w- we would be left weaker Um, And we'd be focused on our differences, does this sound familiar, instead of what we have in common. So, Jameel Stewart, what did the founders put in the Constitution to protect against this kind of foreign usurping of our executive? So they had – first they had a couple of clauses that frankly don't uh, really do the trick now. The emoluments clause uh, and the uh, um, uh, clause on not accepting titles of nobility from foreign states. Uh, But those were some of the tools – this was the golden age of sovereign bribery and uh, those were some of the tools that uh, that sovereigns, especially the French and sometimes the Brits used to bribe heads of state uh, state and ministers to – bend to their will. Uh, so I could be Lady Elisa Poti. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. You could, uh, <laughs> but for a price. Uh, but I, I, they, apparently they did think that that was not enough and they put in a provision allowing the uh, president to be impeached for bribery. No, that's exactly right. And in fact, um, you know, Governor Morris, who was one of the drafters of the preamble of the Constitution, didn't actually think impeachment was necessary except in the case – of foreign corruption. And, you know, this came out of the uh, the 17th century where, you know, uh, Charles II accepted money uh, to sell off parts of England uh, to France. And so this was a well-known concern uh, to, uh, to our framers, this idea that uh, a person with a tremendous amount of executive power uh, might choose to engage in uh, personal uh, benefit from their office. And so uh, impeachment in part was designed to address this very concern um, about foreign corruption. And, and as Stuart correctly points out, the title of nobility clause um, and the and the emoluments clause were both together uh, one of the key things that, that, uh, that our framers were concerned about. Wow. All right. So 
<clears throat> this begs a few questions. Will we're sitting here in the middle of today? By the way, is December twelfth for our listeners. Um, what evidence? You is, can tell by the food fight on the hill uh, that they are debating <laughs> impeachment, <laughs> <laughs> even as we speak. All right. So, what is the evidence here that was presented uh, before the House? Uh, what was in the articles of impeachment, which have now uh, been drafted? Um, and I've noticed that they went from three to two. Um, but what is the next step that follows in this process? And what are the likely outcomes? Of course, secondary uh, tertiary consequences that you see. So I'll let me start with what evidence came before the Intelligence Committee, which was an this was an unusual uh, approach uh, uh, necessitated by the fact that uh, at least in our modern impeachments, we've always had a special counsel report that has all the facts laid out. Uh, uh, this time, uh, no one had that. Uh, so uh, the Intelligence Committee jumped into the breach, conducted an investigation first behind closed doors getting classified information and then held hearings with a series of witnesses from which I think it, it, uh, the fair assumption is they got a lot of evidence from people who saw the president at second hand and in a few places uh, at first hand, uh, uh, strongly suggesting that the president and Rudy Giuliani uh, uh, were holding up meetings at the a meeting at the White House for the president of Ukraine uh, uh, and holding up aid uh, that the Ukrainians very badly wanted for their confrontation with Russia. Uh, because the president and Rudy Giuliani probably wanted an investigation of corruption in uh, uh, Ukraine, particularly involving Burisma and the then vice president's uh, uh, son who uh, took a job for Burisma for which he wasn't qualified and got very well paid for it. Uh, a, the president wanted that investigated uh, and uh, he pushed hard to have it investigated. Uh, we knew that pretty much as soon as the White House released a partial transcript of the conversation with uh, uh, the president uh, of Ukraine in which he basically said, hey, do me a favor. I'd like you to do this investigation. He also raised – and this is just kind of nutty uh, – the, the notion that um, the server was in Ukraine, that Ukraine was behind the hack of the DNC, uh, things that uh, really are probably fever dreams from the conspiracy theorists. Uh, uh, but the president had heard him and, you know, in his way, kind of half retailed them to uh, Zelensky uh, um, and asked for an investigation of those things. Uh, that's the core uh, of the what the uh, – Intelligence Committee found about the original problems uh, and it will turn out to be the core of uh, the impeachment uh, articles. And then second, they made the argument that the president by not allowing his closer aides to testify – this is one of the problems with the case – doesn't have a lot of firsthand evidence. Uh, by not allowing his closer aides to testify had obstructed Congress in its impeachment inquiry. Okay, and, and let's just mention um, for our listeners that um, when there is a criminal investigation, there is something that was referred to uh, as the process, the process being that we ordinarily make a written request in the former uh, through a mutual legal assistance treaty or in some instances there are memoranda of understanding or agreement 
with foreign nations that we use as sort of a pipeline to um, request specific things vis-a-vis an investigation. Right. Um, Although so. I, w- I would say it is not exactly breaking news that President Trump rarely follows the process as laid out by uh, past uh, uh, government uh, uh, agencies. And, and But but similarly, um, I'm not sure that anybody addressed whether or not that process was actually underway. Um, I, that seems to me to have not been mentioned. And instead, um, there was a lot of focus on um, the sort of programmatic concerns about corruption in Ukraine and elimination of it, right? So it, it, this I, was if, if you wanted to take the president's view of this, he probably, as a businessman, confronted corruption in Ukraine and decided it was not a place one wants to do business. And there's certainly plenty of corruption there. Uh, and uh, he very badly uh, wanted an investigation of uh, corruption on the other side of the aisle by the people who he believed ordered his investigation uh, uh, because he thought that there was a lot of uh, hypocrisy about uh, who gets to be investigated uh, and he thought it would be good to put the shoe on the other foot. Uh, uh, that's my guess about uh, what was going on in his head. One of the problems that uh, that this case will have. Well, we'll, we'll let's let's talk about the articles of impeachment. What problems they'll have after we've laid out uh, the facts, Jamil? What other facts are going to be relevant to the articles of impeachment that the Intelligence Com- Committee came up with? Well, you know, I think at the end of the day, you've laid out the key facts that are at play, and the hard part for the committee is that we know how this is going to play out. Right? We know that most Republicans are going to vote against the articles of impeachment. We know that most Democrats are going to vote for the articles of impeachment because there's not really a debate about the facts. There's a debate about what to make about the facts. Right? Uh, do the things that are laid out in the facts uh, describe something that is appropriately impeachable or even problematic, Right? given the different views of what the president was trying to do in the conversations he had with Zelensky and in the withholding of the aid uh, and the like, um, and even if it was problematic or concerning or troubling, does it rise to the level of an impeachable offense? And remember, this definition of what is impeachable uh, is is a political question. It's not a, a legally defined term, right? The Constitution, as Stuart points out, refers to high crimes and misdemeanors, uh, and it includes certain things like bribery, uh, but uh, it is not a uh, – it is not something that we can look to some definition in statute for. Um, and it really is whatever the, the House at the time thinks is impeachable, and the Senate agrees it's willing to convict the president for, and right now we know how this is going to play out. Well, right? what, what do you make of the testimony of um, one of the witnesses who I guess was a sort of law witness, a historian from Harvard, who mentioned that really the understanding of the framers was that high crimes and misdemeanors in that era um, had to do with seeking assistance from a foreign government, and he did use the word, right, I guess everybody's latched on. The one place where it was used was, will you do us a favor, do me a favor, right? That's kind of where it comes to. Yeah, look, no doubt uh, that the, um, that the, that as we talked about, you know, James Madison's notes from the convention talking about what Governor Morris thought about impeachment and this, this history of Charles I, Charles II, um, and the sale of, of, of parts of England to France, certainly animated what the framers were thinking about, and that uh, this idea of foreign corruption or asking for favors from foreign governments. But let's be clear. We ask for favors from foreign governments all the time. We hold up aid to foreign government and tell, governments and tell them, if you don't do X and don't or don't do Y, 
we're not going to give you this thing that you want that we have. That happens every day, day in and day out. That is called foreign policy, right? <laughs> the question on the table here is, was the president engaged in foreign policy and rooting out corruption, which is his view? Um, or was he engaged in inappropriate behavior to extract a concession from a foreign leader that would lead to political benefits for him down the road in an election against an election opponent? And, and to be realistic, governments, presidents never use the tactics of foreign policy that you just described if they think it will hurt them politically. They all expect that at the end of the day it will help them politically. So it's almost impossible to separate the political benefit that he may or may not have been seeking uh, and the foreign policy goals that he's articulating. And this is, this is why this is such a Rorschach test. If you think the president is corrupt and evil in every respect, you have no difficulty believing he had an evil and corrupt motive here. If you think that uh, he speaks loosely and is kind of a loose cannon but basically his policies are in the ballpark of right, then you say, well, this is just another policy that was in the ballpark of right. Uh, uh, it was after all continuing a restraint on giving – lethal aid to the Ukrainians that the Obama administration adhered to pretty strictly. So it, it, is, it is not possible to resolve this by saying, well, it was corrupt because half of America doesn't believe that. Well, and I think the real point though, Stuart, that you're making is, is – and that's really critical is on this one, you know, you might have two different views, right? But the truth is – and this is I think the, the key strategic mistake the Democrats on the Hill made was you know if there's one phone call like this. There's two dozen phone calls like this, right? But instead of going out and finding those phone calls, right, and having conversations about not just this one phone call, but 15, 20 of them, which makes it very hard for Republicans in the Senate to say, yeah, you know, this is all just foreign policy, right? It makes it very hard at that point to not say, well, there's something else going on here. It's all about politics. It's all about what, what benefits Donald Trump personally, right? They didn't go find those phone calls. Instead, they focused on this one phone call. They wanted to move it fast. It's time. The election's coming. We got to move quickly. We don't want this in the middle of the election season, um, in fact, getting ahead of even the evidence with Nancy Pelosi against her desire, announcing the impeachment before they even had the goods. Well, right? before they even had the corrupt act. No, before they had the corrupt, <laughs> that's what I'm saying, before they had the corrupt act, which was coming out very soon thereafter. I mean, this it just plays right into the president's narrative of this is a political effort targeting me. They always wanted to impeach me. There wasn't really any evidence. This is all a sham. And Democrats at every turn on the Hill and the Pelosi and the team have made the error of walking right into his trap holding the hearings in secret. Why do that? Why not hold the hearings in public? In fact, to the contrary, you hold the hearings in secret, then you leak the information so that when you have the public hearings, there's nothing new to tell. I mean, it's completely insane. I mean, what political genius came up with this strategy? I have no idea, but it wasn't a good one, right? And then even worse, you know, every other impeachment, there's only been a couple of them, right? But they've always had a House floor vote before that. Guess what, Nancy? Democrats control the House. You're going to win the vote. Hold the vote. This is not rocket science. But instead, they wait and they wait and they torture everybody. And then when the president harasses them enough and tweets enough, they hold a vote. And sh shockingly, they win the vote. But at every step of the way, they played right into the president's hands, making it very easy for Republicans in the Senate to hang their hat on. They've only got one example. It's a push on whether it was foreign policy or corruption. The process in the House was disastrously, un was disastrously run. I'm going to vote against I mean, they've given they've given every excuse to Republicans said to vote against this impeachment inquiry, which is exactly what's going to happen. And, you know, I have to say that my my estimation of the, what, the way this has played out is 
Democrats now have succeeded in making Donald Trump stronger, not weaker, going into the selection season because of the way they've run this process. It's unbelievable. Um, he's a very be- beatable candidate for them, and they have completely failed. Jamil, so let me like ask you a, a if one question. Shoot at the king, don't miss. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's don't bring a pen knife to a gunfight and then drop a pen knife on the floor when you. I, it's insane. It's completely amateur hour. I mean, it, for, and, every, oh, and by the way, let's not even talk about the primary race that's being run here on the Democratic side. It's like Democrats looked at the 2016 election and said, hey, look at how, that, how it worked out to run 18 candidates who are going to snipe at each other the entire primary season. And look at how that turned out for Republicans. Let's go do that because that's going to be a really successful play for us. Oh, they won. And look at look at who they got. Like, so let's go do that. Let me let me let me let me speak up for uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, uh, briefly, at least. Uh, she has a caucus that is most of the party that very badly wants this. They they look at Trump and they say norm buster, racist, evil, everything bad, uh, everything we ever thought about Republicans is. Um, exaggerated in Trump uh, and he never should have been elected. He uh, lost the popular vote. We've got to get him out and uh, 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 they've been enthusiastic about impeachment since January of uh, uh, 2017. Um, She has to cater to that at some point. She has to respond to that. This particular scandal blew up and it was pretty clear that what the president was doing was not in the U.S. national security interest. I don't know if you agree with me, but I, of course they should get weapons. Uh, there are some major strategic interest in the United States to keep uh, Ukraine on our side and uh, Putin has overplayed his hand in a way that will keep them on our side if we are a reasonable ally and that would be good for the United States. Uh, um, so what Trump was talking about doing was not a good thing. Uh, And that was enough to tip the National Security Democrat caucus uh, against him and to say, "Okay, that's it. It's torn it. I'll vote for impeachment too. Uh, So she has kicked off this process because she had briefly a united Democratic uh, Party uh, demanding it. It is true. I mean the the outcome is foregone uh, and that really does raise the question, is it smart to to bring this claim? It's a sign of how divided we are that uh, the Democrats who brought it didn't care that they were going to lose in the Senate. Well, but it, look, at times you may lose things because it's the right thing to do. And maybe that's what's going on here, right? Democrats feel this is right, the right thing to do. And maybe it is the right thing to do, right? Well, the, maybe it'll have a chilling effect and on, maybe we'll have, you know, this kind of thing uh, in the future. That's right. And maybe it will have a chilling effect and, and it, perhaps it should. The problem is even if you felt the pressure to bring this claim now and because of the, the, the aligned interest, and I agree with you 100 percent, it is ridiculous that we didn't give military aid to to the Ukrainians during the time this happened in the Obama administration, even though Congress insisted on it. When I was working at the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, we passed legislation to give them aid and to give them and to give them weapons, uh, and we did not do that in the Obama administration. The Trump administration, prior to election, actually changed the Republican Party platform on this question. That's something that never got really dug into in this impeachment proceeding, right? You wonder, well, why? Why did the administration uh, or the incoming candidate change that policy platform, then come into office, give the aid, and then withdraw later on and withhold it in exchange for some, you know, what what some might argue is political favors, right? There might be a story there to tell. They didn't tell that story. They just told the story of the one phone call. Um, And so there's a lot, but there's a lot of ways, even if you felt the pressure to bring this claim now, 
why run it in such a ham-handed way? Secret hearings where you leak out everything and then have no story to tell in public. No vote on the House floor when you're going to win the House floor vote. Why not give the president all the press he wants, all the all the opportunity he wants? Let him come into the Senate and have and into the House and have his his counsel there. It's going to be exactly what you want. You want the you want his counsel to go ballistic and you know you know harassing witnesses. That's the story you want to tell. So let's. Um, uh, I, I want to ask you how you think that uh, you know since. Uh, the House of Representatives had to make this up as they went. Mm-hmm. The Senate will as well. And I do want to get to the question of how is the Senate going to make it up. Yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, first, we've talked a lot about the first article of impeachment. We haven't talked at all about the second, which yeah, is obstruction of Congress. Uh, um, uh, what's your take on that legally and politically? Yeah, I think it's very weak. Um, and the reason it's weak is because uh, this fight between between the executive branch and the legislative branch over giving information from very close advisors of the president has been a fight that's gone on since day one. Right. This right? is similar to some of the Clinton stuff and and, right. and, and the Obama before, stuff. And the Obama stuff. In fact, and, and in Nixon, fact, we, Nixon as well. Yeah. And right. Now, in fact, in fact, to, until just privilege. until just last year, right, the Obama administration and and this administration on, administration on behalf of the prior administration was fighting over whether to uh, whether Eric Holder and Lois Lerner ought to testify before Congress, right? Ought to be, it could be forced to produce papers, right? That continued through this administration defending the executive's right not to provide information to Congress. And by the way, when it comes to foreign policy, this goes back to George Washington. If you remember, George Washington uh, asked John Jay, uh, then the Supreme, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, to go negotiate a second treaty with England uh, and the Jay Treaty. And refused to hand over to the House of Representatives the negotiation notes and the instructions that, that John Jay was given, right? There's a lot of parallels here, right? Here, the president asked Rudy Giuliani ostensibly to go conduct foreign policy on his behalf, right? Not a person with official role at the State Department or in the executive branch. Same with John Jay. In fact, even worse, a member of a coordinate branch of government. And the president doesn't want to give up information about what he told Rudy Giuliani, what he told, uh, you know, John Bolton and the like. And this is a common fight. And so... The idea that there, that justice was being obstructed here because of that, well, you know, maybe the right way to play this would give him all the process he wants. Instead, Democrats gave limited process that was historically not consistent with with, with the history here. Um, and as a result, you've got this letter from Pat Cipollone, right, which, to be fair, was not written in the tone any of us would have written it and and probably probably edited heavily by the president. I think I'd be, I'd be surprised if Pat Cipollone is a very capable attorney, uh, wrote that letter himself without any any edits by the president. But forget the tone. The merits were right. I'm not going to give you this stuff. Give me a process that's fair. And if Democrats were smart, they would have given them a process that was fair up well, front. Well, I, 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 I do think... What privilege really applies to a private citizen? If you're talking about executive privilege, so we start expanding it to anybody... Um, because Giuliani, he hasn't been vetted by Congress. He's not a cabinet head. He really doesn't serve any. Neither was role. the chief justice for this purpose. When 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 President Washington asked John Jay to go negotiate a treaty, he was the chief justice. Yes, he had been vetted in the sense that he had been confirmed by the Senate to to, to be the chief justice of the Supreme Court. He had not been vetted for any purpose related to foreign policy. And President and George Washington, in fact, he stormed out of Congress when they demanded that he hand over the things. He said, "I'm not going to do it." Go pound sand. You, can, you actually on the on the White House website. You can get a you can get the actual transmitter. Where he says where he tells the House to go pound sand. Really, that that was I didn't realize that was a uh, part of the vernacular in the seventeen. Well, I did not use those exact words. <laughs> to be clear. But it's, but it's only a couple of paragraphs long. It's pretty clear he's right. saying. So I. I 
I do think it, it is when the president refuses to send documents or witnesses, the modern approach is to sue him and try to get him to defy a court order. Mm-hmm. And, and the American people by and large think that that's not something presidents should do. If you're just defying Congress – well, the Babylon Bee had a headline uh, uh, today. I think it says, uh, Trump's popularity surges after nation learns he may have obstructed Congress. <laughs> well, they are enjoying a hefty 17 percent approval rating as yeah, of today. Yeah, this is, this is raw, uh, raw power. I won't give it to you. Then I, we will impeach you. And if you can make that stick, then uh, you'll probably get the documents. But uh, they, we all know they can't make it stick. Uh, so it's inevitable that these are always included uh, in an impeachment because uh, by the time you get impeached, you've got the House of Representatives mad as hell at you uh, and they are convinced that you failed to give them data in a timely fashion. Um, but in this context, they didn't go to court. Uh, they didn't win. They didn't get the, the president to defy a court order. Uh, um, and so obstructing Congress is feels like a make weight. Wow. You know, one of the things that we haven't talked about here that really I think is the most troubling aspect of this whole uh, thing uh, from from the president's uh, behavior, uh, Congress's response to it and his response to that is that this is all this all goes back to an effort by the Russians to create divisions within our country. Well, they've been very successful. That was a big return on their investment. They have succeeded phenomenally well. Right. This entire clown show that we've gone through for the last three years. Okay. Within our within our government, uh, both the president's own behavior, Congress's actions in response to it, and the back and forth, right, is a is a win for the Russians. Rather than giving into this, we should be joining hands as a nation, understanding that we face the same threat in this upcoming elections, and it's not just the Russians this time around; it's going to be the Chinese and others. And if we fall prey to it again, it is to our detriment, and it's our failure as a country. Um, and what's happening right now? Suggest there is no good sign going forward, that it's actually going to get worse before it gets better. Um, and we are being manipulated by a foreign nation state highly successfully. So if, that's if, the real if, failure. If here. you're Mitch McConnell uh, uh, or Chuck Schumer um, and you agree with that, what do you do for the Senate trial? You hold as yeah. You hold as fair and even-handed a trial as possible. You don't make it a clown show again. You don't call Hunter Biden. You simply go on what the what the House has sent. You know you're going to win, right? Hold a simple trial. Go through the facts they 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 assessed. No Just witnesses. Let people. I, I I my recollection of the Clinton impeachment was there were no witnesses, but I could be wrong. But we had we had the Star report. We had the Brett. We the have dress. we have an investigative report, and we have a we have a dissenting report right from right. the Republicans. Okay. So we have the facts as as the two sides see them. And we have we have a transcript. And, we, and, 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 this, and this is also why this obstruction claim – you're exactly right, Alyssa. This question about the, 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 the obstruction of, of Congress, the reason it falls flat for the American people is they're saying we know the facts. The key fact is we have the very – it's on pages one to two of the transcript, right? He – you know, Zelensky says, I want missiles. The president says, well, what I want is you to look into this crazy, you, you know, DNC server in Ukraine. By the way, we're totally insane and debunked – long debunked, Right. President still caught up in that thing, even convincing, you know, I don't know, I don't know who it was, uh, one of the members of the House on TV to sort of go down this road also. I mean, there's no evidence that there are any DNC servers in Ukraine. Let's John be Kennedy, clear, right? right? Um, 
who, who by the way, is actually who actually is a, is a good senator, um, but I, I think just got caught up in the conversation. And, you know, and then later on, by the way, very quickly clarified his statements. Right? Didn't didn't stop. You know, uh, the other side from from making making a mash out of it. But at the end of the day, the American people are like, we know the facts. The question is as to what to make of them, and there's a debate about that. So you think you could do it in a week or two? I, I think if they were smart, they would get through in a week or two. Everyone knows the Hunter Biden's story by this point. By the way, again, another fail for House Democrats. They've 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 succeeded in highlighting the fact that this ridiculous relationship that Hunter Biden had with Burisma, this other ridiculous relationship he had in China. I mean, there's nothing good for not Joe to, Biden not to coming out the kid. of that. <laughs> and by the way, it's it's also amazing to me going back to the primary, right? That Kamala Harris, who so successfully took down Joe Biden, is now out of the race. So Democrats succeeded in taking out their best candidate, making it even worse for in this impeachment process, and only empowering the president with his narrative, right, and the story that I'm a victim here. They have come after me on political grounds. The Senate has now exonerated me. I mean, this makes him strong going to the election. He was a very beatable candidate before. Democrats have succeeded in, in running not a good candidate against him. They're not going to get a good candidate coming out of this primary now. I mean, I predict the president gets reelected in a, in a, in a pretty big, by a pretty big margin, in part as a result of this very effort. So... Um, one possible and, uh, to my mind, uh, appropriate response to all this is to say, terrific. I don't even need to read the newspaper for the next six weeks because it's all going to be telling me about stuff that's happening in preparation for the Senate voting not to remove the president. I don't need – I already know how it's going to turn out. I don't need to watch the, the miniseries. The American people have taken that view. That's exactly what they've decided. We got how this is going to go. Democrats are going to impeach the president. The Senate's going to exonerate him, and off we go to the races. We never cared anyways because either if I'm if I'm a conservative Republican and I'm a supporter of Donald Trump. By the way, there are a lot of conservative Republicans, maybe some in this room that don't support Donald Trump. To be very clear, um, uh, although they may agree on diff- on any given day with his policies um, uh, and the people he nominates and the like. Um, that being said, right, this idea that the American people are are, are going to be convinced, oh well. Now that I know about the Ukraine call and now that they've, he's been impeached by the House, now I'm going to vote against him. That's just not how this is going to play out. People, are, people have been tuned out. Nobody's tuned in except for people who are watching it for you know, purient reasons to watch Donald Trump get roasted or to see the Democrats get beaten up by, by the other side. So this is a major uh, national service that has been provided by the National Security Law podcast. Uh, uh, 35 minutes of listening uh, to this podcast can save you weeks of agonizing over the news. Just, you know, go skiing. Well, maybe. One last question, though. This is a fact question. I picked up the Washington Post, I think it was yesterday, and as I was flicking through the digital version, I did notice that the president had settled uh, on the claims that the charity um, that he was involved in up in New York, um, that he had purposed money to himself. I think he had a, uh, a portrait. He commissioned a portrait with the funds, and he was ordered to pay $2 million. No talk of this. this would this be a high crime or misdemeanor? Um, and why is uh, – do you have any theory on why all of this seems to have been ignored? Was the focus simply, as you've mentioned, um, on national security and the relationship with foreigners? I just think that uh, Democrats, perhaps correctly or incorrectly, have assessed that the American people don't care. And that may be an error by the American people. It probably is an error by the American people. They don't care that the president engaged in this kind of behavior uh, when he was when he was uh, not in office. Uh, but the American people didn't care about the but but the words the president used to describe women or the way he treats women. 
right? The American people didn't care about uh, his behavior on the stump, mocking people with disabilities. The American people didn't care about his, uh, his, his, uh, the way he talks about, about people at the border um, and, and, and it, the idea that we might shoot people trying to cross the border or the way he talked about Muslims. People didn't care about all those things. And Democrats, very frustrated that he didn't care about those things, have now assessed, perhaps correctly, that that's not a relevant issue for the American public and that if they can find one thing to hang their hat on, they should try. But they're going to fail at that, too. And that's an unfortunate mistake. There is, um, there's that's a kind an unfortunate of, situation. There's a kind of rule at bottom here that, 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 that we've developed since the Founding Fathers, that uh, you don't successfully impeach people for doing stuff that we knew they were going to do when they ran and they got elected. Right? If, 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 if that's the guy we elected, you don't impeach him because he did what he promised, what it, everybody knew he was going to do. And uh, that's part of the problem we've had here is that uh, the impeachment uh, fever started too soon and it was really let's impeach him for what he ran on. And it's actually even worse. And Neil Cottell, who's a, who's a friend and, a, and a, actually really a great guy, right, made I think a huge mistake uh, by saying publicly – that if the president isn't successfully impeached here and gets reelected, we should impeach him again. I mean, that just plays right into Donald Trump's hands, right? Where he's saying, look, they wanted me out so badly when they got elected that they're trying to overturn the, the, the decision of the American people. And by the way, if you decide in favor of me again, they're going to run the show again. I mean, that's the kind of language that will get Democrats to lose the House as a result of this effort. I mean, it's... It, you know, at a time when they should be gaining votes in the House and the Senate and potentially winning the presidency, like every step of the way, they have managed to shoot themselves in the foot. And it's like you, you don't even see it coming. So I'm, I am reminded of the saying that it's a bad idea to wrestle with a pig because you end up dirty and the pig kind of likes it. Uh, <laughs> oh, and, uh, you know, you don't – this – a. Eight years of fighting over this kind of issue would be Trump's dream job. No, and, 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 and it, it brings him into a re-election if he is re-elected, right? One of the things I think that people have to consider, if the president is re-elected, he will personally, whether rightly or wrongly, will see it as an affirmation of his decisions he made in office. And so if you didn't like the last four years, wait for the next four. Okay, that's, that, that concludes wow, the session wow, of wow, politics wow. today. Okay, you know, um, I think we got some law in there. Uh, but thanks for coming in. We really appreciate it. Always interesting. And thanks for listening to National Security Law Today, the podcast of the American Bar Association Standing Committee on Law and National Security. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Make sure you review us on your listening platform of choice. You can find links to the Black Letter Law and articles on today's topic at AmericanBar.org slash NatSecurity and in the notes to this podcast. You can also drop us a note at NationalSecurity at AmericanBar.org or on Twitter at ABA NatSec. We welcome your feedback. Back. Thanks for listening. We'll be back. We'll be taking a break off for the next couple of weeks, and uh, we'll be back after that with new podcasts in the new year. Thanks for listening. The views expressed on national security law today have not been approved by the House of Delegates or the Board of Governors of the American Bar Association and accordingly should not be construed as representing ABA policy.